Welcome to the Genuinely You podcast channel, which is packed with advice and tips on how to live your life with purpose. Do you wish you felt happy and fulfilled? Are you feeling stuck, wishing things could be better? Are you ready to take some action and create the life you want? To start living an empowered life, you need to recognize and make full use of the power and freedom that comes from being genuinely you. Your host is Gina Gardner, a number one best-selling author whose whole life has been about supporting people to achieve personal empowerment, helping people just like you recognize that they can. Perspective. What do we mean by perspective? And what impact does perspective have on your life? Well, for me, perspective is the way in which you look at things. And that's gonna be colored by your beliefs. Because everything we see, everything we uh, experience, we filter through our beliefs. Mm -hmm. And those beliefs color the way in which we interpret things. Perspective is all about interpretation. Mm -hmm. And as you'll know that interpretation can be very different depending on where you're sitting. Mm. Yeah. So we're currently looking at the camera and behind the camera, you won't be able to see this, I have an internal courtyard which at the moment is pretty colourful because it's full of summer flowers. However, if I stood with my back to the window and the door, what I would see is a green setting, the one you can see behind this, mm -hmm. a cream wall and a mirror. My perspective would be very, very different. Same room, but in a different position. Now that's very true of every experience that we have from the moment we're born until the moment we die. Yes. Our perspective colors the meaning we make of things. Yeah, very much. Now, those of you that have listened to us before, but by the way, I do apologize, I didn't introduce uh, to you Rachel Davidson, who <laughs> uh, is my good friend. Um, and just to carry on with the introduction, we're both international best-selling authors. Um, I'm a, an empowerment and relationship coach, and I work strategically with businesses getting the best out of people. So let's get back to perspective. Why was it important <coughs> that, I, <coughs> that I introduced this? Well, your perspective will be colored by what you know about us. Hmm two women sitting on a green settee, mm -hmm. um, what do we know? Mm -hmm. But when you start to put in between us, we've got um, over half a century of experience. Oh, that's a bit worrying. That perspective's a bit worrying. <laughs> it is. Um, <laughs> that we bring um, a whole range of experiences to this conversation, mm -hmm. then your perspective is likely to shift. Yeah. One of the things that I think is important to um, to set in place is the understanding that 95% of our thinking is habitual. Mm -hmm. It doesn't cross our conscious mind, it's done automatically. Yeah. And that's partly to protect the brain from all of the range of information that it receives in any given moment. Yeah. It can't possibly um, process it all. Mm -hmm. And so we have a system where much of the information is automatically processed. Mm -hmm. Falls into funnels. Yeah. And that's based on our beliefs about things. Yeah. Um, and one of the 
things that will make a huge difference is whether your belief is that the world is friendly mm -hmm. yeah. or the world is an alien place full of danger. Yes. Whether you believe that people are intrinsically good mm -hmm. or whether you believe that all people are a threat. Mm -hmm. Now, I've used extreme examples. Yeah. But there's nuances in everything that we believe. Yes. And that's set up by our upbringing. Some of it's about our intrinsic wiring. Yeah. Whether we're optimists, pessimists, and so on. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you a few examples before we start to look at the impact that our perspective can have on our lives. Yeah. And usually I, I give a couple of examples, and I'm I'm purposely choosing extreme examples. Okay. So imagine you're sitting in a railway carriage. Right. Um, there is a family, well, a father and two children further down the carriage. Mm -hmm. The father is sitting very quiet, doing nothing. Right. The children are jumping all over the chairs, they're swinging from the, the poles, they're mm -hmm. shrieking and making a lot of noise. Mm. What would your initial perspective be? How annoying. Why doesn't that parent control his children? Absolutely. <laughs> what if I just said to you that that guy has just come from the hospital Mm -hmm. And he's just got the news that his wife is terminally ill and has got two weeks to live. Mm. Okay, now I feel foolish for judging him so harshly. <laughs> and that's the issue, that so often we have no idea of what's going on. Mm. Let me give you another example. You're walking down the street mm -hmm. and somebody that you know really well mm. completely blanks you. Yeah, yeah. It's quite possible your initial reaction would be, Oh, what have I done to her? Or, <laughs> she's in a mood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what if I said to you that she'd just been to the vet mm. and had her beloved dog, mm. who'd reached the end of its life, put down? Mm. Yeah. Now, I'm using extreme examples, but actually we make meaning of every interaction. Yes. One of the most common things I find is that when uh, people feel they've been ignored, they make it all about them. Yes. When the reality, I believe, is that most people are just busy doing their stuff. It's so interesting, isn't it? I, I had an example last night where um, I got texted by a friend and so I had a little conversation. And actually, in the week prior, she'd been posting stuff on social media about her fantastic holiday in Cornwall and how you know, she was having a lovely lunch here and there. And I was... I was I was in, in the moment thinking, oh, lucky her. She's having such a lovely yeah. time. And, oh, you know. And then when actually last night she texted me to say, how, how was I? We had this conversation. It turns out actually um, her parent has been in hospital. She's yeah. very worried about that. You know, she's got all of these other worries that yeah. are going on. And I realised that I had made massive assumptions about her state of life, yeah. where she was, just on the basis of, well, you know, a couple of really lovely days in a lovely place. Yes. And I'd, I'd totally sort of um, forgotten that, um, that, that she was a 3D person with lots of other things going yeah. on. And, um, and that, I mean, I think, that, you know, that's the crux of the negative issues around social media is that if, if you're not careful to actually consider what's behind it, yeah. you only see a very, very thin veneer of somebody's life. I think social media emails particularly mm. are a place where perspective has huge capacity to be skewed. Mm, yeah. Think of the number of times when I go and work with businesses 
where there's been a problem created because somebody sent an email or a text which has been misinterpreted. Yes. And sometimes it's all that's missing is a comma, mm. which has changed the, the whole meaning yes. of the sentence. Yes. Or um, it's just that, that the person has been in a hurry and has not explained the backstory. Yes, yes. Um, and so I think we live in a time when communication has never been easier, mm. but it's actually never been easier to miscommunicate. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think we have to be very mindful of that. Mm. I find it interesting how many people their perspective polarizes things. Yeah. So either it puts them in a bad light that they're always doing themselves down and that they're making the perspective is I've done a terrible job, I've not I've not succeeded, I've failed. Uh-huh. When the reality is actually they could have done even better, but actually mm. not done a bad job. Mm. Or at the other end, I've done a wonderful job when actually there's quite a few holes in what mm. I've done. My or, husband really suffers from that, just, okay. just to say that, that because he judges himself um, to a very high standard. He has an incredibly high standard. And, yeah. and, and that's because he, he achieves this and, um, and he, work, he works really, really hard at everything he does. Yeah. But because he's holding himself to a high standard, he, he often comes home and will describe a day at work that he feels he's failed at. Mm-hmm. And in telling me this story, he'll mention a few things about what people have said about his same day. Yes. And their perspective is completely different to his. They're yes. describing um, a, a gratitude and a thankfulness for his, for his manner of management and leadership. But because it's falling short of the standard he's given himself, his perspective is... I'm not doing good enough. This isn't, you know, this is not, um, this is not meeting what I want to do and, and so on and so forth. And it's a two-edged sword because yes. at one level, it can be a motivator to do even better. Yeah. But what often happens, I'm not suggesting necessarily with your husband, but what often happens is that people are so hard on themselves yes. that it becomes a demotivation. Yes. That it becomes a, 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 another stick to beat themselves with. And my and daughter, very destructive. My daughter yeah. has, has that aspect of it. Yeah. That she's, she's very capable of certain things, and, but others she's not yeah. so. And she will beat herself up. And I try to say to her, look, you know, in the grand scheme yeah. of your life, this person or this thing, is, it's not really going to matter. Yes. Um, I know it really, really matters now. Yes. But, I mean, you have that saying, don't you, of... Mountain molehill. Yeah, if in, if in five years' time, is this mountain actually going to appear more like a molehill to you? Yes. Well, if in five years' time... I'm taking the words out of your mouth, Gina. If in five years' time, it's going to be a molehill, why don't you change the perspective on it now? Absolutely. You know, go, go further back, the mountain suddenly begins to look more like a molehill in the moment now. Time and new information yeah. are the two things that have the most quick and direct well, yeah. time it's not the quick, but no. um, there's a, <laughs> the thing is the shift between the, the perspective being in one way and the shift yeah. to the new way, the actual shift is quick. It can often take a long time to get to the point when we're ready to make the shift. Yes. 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 But new information can shift things very mm. quickly. Think back to the train. As soon as you have the information about that father, yes. your perspective yes. instantly shifted. Yes, it did. And the mountain molehill, and I ask people to think, will it be a mountain or a molehill in a day, mm-hmm. in yeah. a week, in a month, in a year, in five years, at the end of your life? Uh-huh. And if you're going to downgrade it, why not downgrade it now? Yeah. 
alongside that, another strategy that's quite useful around perspective is, you know, to give these things a score out of 10. Yeah. So, for example, I, I have a client who um, is, a recover, is recovering from OCD. Right. And the OCD was as a result of very significant abuse when she was a child. Okay. And one of the things that, that one of the manifestations for her of the OCD is panic attacks. Right. So this works very well with panic attacks. Okay. Yeah. And so one of the things to do is to grade this in terms of is this a real threat mm -hmm. or is this a perceived threat? Mm -hmm. Because one of the problems with stress and with anxiety mm. is it's very difficult to to work out when you're in that moment what is real. Mm. Is it life-threatening? Because when you're having a panic or an anxiety attack, yeah. it really feels as if you're dying. Yes. Is this a real threat? Am I likely to die because of what's gone on? Yes. So 10 out of 10 is I am very likely to die. Yes. One out of 10 is there is absolutely no threat to my physical or mental safety at all. Yeah. And so to grade this, so I'll give you an example. One of the problems for that client is around... Um, people smoking and the threat of the smoke actually doing her or her children damage. Yes, okay. And so we've talked about, you know, in order for it to be a, a real threat, it's you've got to be in a smoking atmosphere for some period of time. Yeah. Walking past somebody who's smoking in the street mm -hmm. is so unlikely to cause mm. a problem mm -hmm. that one could say that that's a mood. Mm -hmm. And yes. so grading it, mm. having graded the threat, she mm. then looks at the anxiety levels. Yes. Do they match? Yes. And if they do match, well, then you've got to take action and you've got to take action quickly to yes. get out of that situation. Yes. If they don't match, and I have to say, nine thousand times out of one well, eight thousand nine hundred and ninety nine times out of nine thousand mm. it, it's not going to be a threat mm. then downgrade the anxiety yes so she uses that alongside the molehill mountain test yeah um, and that helps her recalibrate the level of threat yeah and in doing so it doesn't mean that she doesn't stop the anxiety doesn't start, mm -hmm. but it means that she manages it down very much more quickly mm -hmm. than she ever managed it before. And another perspective on um, anxiety yes. and OCD is that you're being given a message. Yeah. It, it's a difficult and extreme message to yes. cope with modern day living in, but nevertheless it is a message. There's some, there's some sort of tap on, on your yes. conscious or your soul to sort of say, Something's bothering you, and, and you need to give it attention. Yes. Because. Uh, but the right sort of attention. The right sort of attention, exactly. Again, another, you know, the, the perspective on what sort of attention is positive to me and, and assists me versus um, in, an indulgent and, um, yeah, negative. Uh, I think, you know, the attention that for, for people who've got anxiety um, is they get this circular conversation going around in their head which says there's a threat I can't do anything about it there's a threat I'm worried there's a threat I no longer feel in control as opposed to there's a threat is it real or perceived yes how much of a threat is it if it truly is a threat what am I going to do about it yes take action learn from it do whatever needs to be done and move on let go of the anxiety.
because that's what um, self-development is, sorry, fly, um, uh, really is, is constantly shifting your perspective on yourself, peeling another layer of the onion. That's life, isn't it? That's yes. the whole message around life is yes. that, you know, when you look through the eyes of a, of a, a toddler, they see the world very differently, not least of which because they're lower to the ground, mm. but to somebody who's fully grown, mm. who has an understanding of the, the potential danger. Mm. So a, a toddler will put their finger in a plug because they're exploring the world. They, do, they mm. don't have any concept that that could actually constitute a huge danger, mm. which is why young children effectively hand over their safety and security to grown-ups yes yeah. um then you get to the point when you know children are um they're reaching the end of um their elementary or primary school life where they're trying to be more grown up i think one of the problems of modern living is that they are uh, they feel they need to grow up much more quickly than actually yeah. um would be ideal partly because of peer group, partly because of, of what they see on the television. Mm -hmm. But they want to rush to grow up. Mm -hmm. And they're in this, this place where they don't have enough experience to actually know what all the potential issues are, yeah. but feel that they are much more mature than they really are. And that's one of the challenges for parents, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Helping those children have a perspective yeah. around not making them fearful of the world, but making them aware of the potential difficulties and dangers and how they might actually manage those. Yes, I mean, I know in dealing with, with my children, trying to give them a perspective on it, um, which I guess is at some moments could be just, just described as a, a different point yeah. of view, or have you considered the, you know, these sort of things? I know that, generally speaking, they're, they're quite reluctant to move from that particular perspective. And my perspective on that has to be, in time, they will find the ability just to, you know, move away from that particular issue. I think that's an interesting one because I think our emotional maturity determines how ready we are to shift. Yes. And I don't think that's anything to do with age. Having said that, I think, of course, maturity, generally speaking, makes you more able to do that. Yeah. But I know many adults who still operate from a much younger emotional standpoint, so yes. that their emotional development has sort of crystallised at the age of nine or ten, yes, and that they still see the world very much in black and white. Yes, I think you know young people particularly tend to be quite judgmental. Mm -hmm. You know, it's either good or it's bad. It's yes. scary, scary stuff, yes. rather than the tabby cat of rage. For most of us, yeah. is is real life. Is not as conservative for the small C as no. children. <laughs> but, if, but that comes down, I think, to, um, to the bottom line is keeping ourselves safe. Yes. That's our fundamental need for control and for certainty yeah. um, that we need to survive. Yeah. And so, yes, children are conservative, or most children, or they're more likely to be conservative. So we put this into the context you know, of, of let's look at it perspective in terms of personal life and perspective in terms of professional life. Now, it's the same principle, but it throws up different situations. One of the things I think that's really important for us to bring up around the whole issue of perspective is the difference between people seeing themselves as a victim uh -huh. 
you know, poor me, why has it happened to me, it's terrible, it's not yeah. fair. Yeah. And that can be about anything. And, you know, ultimately, if you stay stuck in the perspective that, you know, this isn't fair, life is, is uh, difficult and it's more difficult for me than other people because it's not being fair. Mm -hmm. it, of course, there are people who, who carry an enormous loads. Mm -hmm. I think of my sister and my brother-in-law who had two profoundly disabled boys yeah. with life-limiting uh, disorders. Mm -hmm. who lived, well, Matt lived three times longer than expected and Jamie's still alive 42 mm -hmm. years later. Mm -hmm. And yet they don't see themselves as victims. No. Life has been incredibly challenging for them. Mm -hmm. And yet what they've done is to get on and their perspective is, well, our quality of life is down to us. Yes. If we stay in victim mode, why us or us, we're never going to get anything out of life. No, exactly. And, you know, I've learned to walk twice as an adult. Oh, I could have okay. been stuck in the place of poor me. Oh. Having said that, I think it's important, you know, that when people are hurting, that, you know, saying something, well, I don't know what your moment about this other person is worse off than I was just going to say that, that that, that often gets mentioned yeah. that when somebody's suffering something, somebody tries to console them or sympathise with them by saying things like, well, at least you... Or, well, you know, you've got some, one broken leg, yeah. the other person's got two. Yeah, it could be so much worse. Yeah. And often I think, yeah. although it's coming from a meaningful place, it can often have the result of, of making that person feel you have no right to suffer. You have no yes. right to be depressed. What have you got to be depressed yeah. about? Your life is perfect. You know, look at other people. They've got really real... And, and so yeah. it sort of like negates their emotions. So it's getting the fine balance between recognising that, you know, that we are human beings. Mm -hmm. like we've talked about human beings living a spiritual existence. No, the other way around. Spiritual beings living a human existence. Yeah. <laughs> and life can be very challenging. For me, the, the, the shift in perspective in terms of telling somebody, you know, you're all right when you compare yourself to somebody else who's in a much worse position. I don't think that's helpful. Mm. Both are, are in their own way developing through their life and, and managing the challenge that they've been given. I don't think it's the challenge that defines us. No. It's what we do with but it. It's the reaction, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. And the challenge, you know, some challenges can feel very small to one person in comparison to their challenges. Mm -hmm. But of course, they develop, I do believe we would develop strength to deal with challenge. Mm -hmm. If you had no challenge in your life, a bit like steel mm -hmm. would not be strong unless it was tempered by fire. Mm -hmm. So we grow in strength as we deal with life's challenges. It's yes. why little children, the world's come to the end, when their toy breaks mm -hmm. or they can't find their toy. Yes. But we learn through life to put things into a perspective. Mm -hmm. My sister, for example, she will talk about the fact that when you're expecting a baby, you're, it's as if you're going on a holiday to Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the baby's born, and you discover that actually you've not ended up in Hawaii, that you've ended up in Holland. Mm -hmm. So the weather's not as good, and it's not as picturesque, perhaps. But actually, mm -hmm. over time, you realise there's lots mm -hmm. to recommend Holland. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a time frame where the perspective shifts. Yes. But at the same time, if you're not open to it shifting, it never will. 
Yeah, I can remember when I was um, made redundant in a slightly catastrophic manner, and it was a very worrying yeah. point in my, my life. And um, I can remember walking the dogs up and down the village high street yeah. at that point and thinking, you know, managing my emotions by saying to myself, well, well imagine the worst scenario yeah. then. What, where could this situation eventually take me? How would I feel about that worst scenario yeah. happening? What that would and testing how how I felt about each of them. And in that way, I managed to change my perspective yeah. on it. To, to, you know, it wasn't that I wasn't suffering anymore because I was still very anxious and you know, yes. desperate to get another job and pay bills. But um, I, I just had a sense of balance about it a little bit and a sense of self-knowledge yeah. that, well, if the worst happens, I've already sort of imagined yes. how I might react. So I'm already sort of ahead of the game. Yeah. So I just managed to calm myself a little bit. Um, and that was all about just trying to get a little yes. bit more of a perspective on it. What I find interesting, particularly around redundancy, mm -hmm. is how many people, when they're made redundant, it feels like the end of the world. Yeah. Ask them five years later, and I bet you a large proportion will say best thing that ever happened. Yeah. Because yeah. they've then used the opportunity yeah. to do things in a different way. Yes. And I think, you know, for, for me, I look at, at, yeah, I was wheelchair bound for many years, but after that, came a number of gifts. Mm -hmm. It takes a bit of time and a shift of perspective to see the gifts, but for yes. me it was around the development of the whole um, Thriving Not Surviving program, uh, the, the development of strategies that I've used myself and with countless others that have helped them shift their perspective, yes. have helped them deal with life in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And that I would like to think I'd have done it anyway, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. But certainly, I believe that that was a gift that came out of it. Yes, and of course, the reality is that when we think differently, yeah. we act differently. Of course, we do. And in our actions, we create the reality, don't we? So, so if you focus on lack, you yeah. have a sense that there's more lack because you're recognising it. The brain, as we said, is uh, works habitually. Mm. So. Whatever you focus on, you get more of. Well, and if you believe in the laws of abundance and that yes. aspect of spirituality, then you know you believe in the fact that if you're focusing on the lack, that's what the universe is interpreting. You want yeah. more of. Yeah. Well, you want more of lack. Definitely. Give you more of lack. Yeah. Then. <laughs> I mean, we've got lots of visitors with us today, and welcome. We'd love to know what you think um, about perspective. You know, let us know um, either through the website genuinely-you.com. Or you, know, you can email us, you can let us know uh, the comments that you make, the, the contribution you make, which is really important. So um, thanks very much for, for being with us. If you think about your perspective and think about the times in your life when your perspective has shifted, then I think you, one can recognise the potential of being open to shifting your potential, your perspective mm -hmm. more quickly. Mm -hmm. Put it into the work context. We were talking about, um, you know, how to lead people effectively, mm -hmm. and how many people have a problem with their boss, yeah. and think that their boss is useless or um, over controlling mm -hmm. or you know whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things I would say to people is understanding their perspective that very often they are being put under pressures by their boss or by trying to keep the company going. Mm -hmm. Doesn't excuse bad behaviour, and I think that's really important. Yeah. But when you shift your perspective from being a victim to that, yeah. and you start saying, right, 
how can I deal with this person differently that will facilitate a shift in the way in which the relationship is working? There, but for the grace of God, go I. That's a okay. useful, useful, useful phrase in my head in the sense that to, to try to understand somebody else's point of view, to stand in their shoes, yeah. possibly even walk a mile in their shoes, is actually, you know, you're you're not actually that far away no. from these other people's reactions. And I'm reminded of a, a, a client early on in my um, career, when, once I left Headship, when I was coaching and that was um, you know, my business. And I was working with someone from um, the, um, the government office, Whitehall. Mm-hmm. We'd been sent by their boss. And there was a woman in her early 30s who was... And it's quite a responsible job. Who was being a nightmare to this boss in right. that she challenged everything, and she would be asked to do something, and she would do something different. And <laughs> the, the boss recognised that this woman actually had a lot of potential, but yes. unless she got herself sorted out, yes. she was going nowhere. So I was asked to coach her, and I did an exercise where I literally did it with two set two chairs, yep. and I asked her to sit in one chair and be her, mm. and think about what was going on in her boss and what was her perspective. Mm-hmm. And her perspective of her boss was that he was overbearing, that he micromanaged, that um, he was overcritical. Mm-hmm. I asked her then to move to the other chair and to imagine herself as him mm-hmm. and to wriggle and breathe into being him and ask him what he saw mm-hmm. when he saw her and her behaviours. Yeah. And she looked a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> And she started to shift her perspective from his position. Yes. The third thing I asked her to do was to ask her to imagine to step out of that as a completely independent observer. Yes. And to say, what did she think was going on? Yeah. And actually her response was, well, I think her boss was a a guy, by the way. Mm. I think she's behaving like a spoiled brat that she's behaving like a teenager having a tantrum Ooh, so and she, she needs to grow up. She was much harsher on herself than when she shifted to what she thought his perspective might be. She went back to work, went to her boss, apologised and said, <laughs> I realise I have been a pain in what's it. Yes. And I'm really appreciative of the fact that you stuck with me. Oh, what a transformation. <laughs> Did it mean that all of the behaviours disappeared immediately? No. no. But was there... this? Uh, the beginnings of a much better relationship yeah, yeah. and over a, a few months that relationship became much much more powerful right. because it was based on uh, a much better relationship yes. he trusted her more so he didn't like to manage yeah and she was much more receptive to the fact that he was under pressures from what whitehall yeah and he had to do certain things that neither of them may have actually wanted or agreed with but that was part of the job yeah so i'd like to leave you with um, a, a challenge actually all of those of you that are with us today is over the next week be very mindful of your perspective and when that's helpful and when it's not and when you're able to shift that perspective and i'd love it if you were able to tell us Um, how that's gone. So thanks very much for joining us and look forward to speaking to you next week when we'll have another of these genuine chats. Thanks very much. It's Gina Gardner here with Rachel Davidson. You can find our books on um, Amazon. 
You've just been listening to another great Genuinely You podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Genuinely You is a culmination of Gina's work, spanning over 30 years, of helping people learn what makes them feel happy and truly fulfilled, and how to achieve it. Please visit genuinely-u.com today to find out more.